I'm Kelsey. I'm Cassie. And I'm Nolan from SCP Weekly. We bring you news from on-site and off-site. And we share your love for the creative community that surrounds the SCP Wiki. Join us on Tuesdays for new episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube at SCP Weekly. The file you are about to hear has been thoroughly scrutinized by the Ethics Committee and approved by the O5 Council for release to trusted associates of the Foundation. This is SCP Unredacted. Item number, SCP-6078, Object Class, Keter. Special Containment Procedures. During manifestation events, all passenger vessels traveling within 50 kilometers of the anomaly are to be redirected. All satellite imagery taken between the hours of midnight and 11.59 GMT during manifestation events is to be edited, with all images of the anomaly removed. Any suspected civilian sightings of the anomaly are to be intercepted by Mobile Task Force Omega-54, the Flying Dutchman, with Class A amnestics administered to all witnesses. Any anomalous items discovered on the anomaly are to be transported to Site-234's containment wing. Information and technology may only be exchanged with inhabitants of the anomaly with overseer approval. By overseer request, no further attempts at removing SCP-6078-A from its place of burial are to take place. Description SCP-6078 is an island with an area of 850 square kilometers located in the Porcupine Bank, roughly 300 kilometers off the west coast of Ireland. The anomaly has been depicted on maps dating as far back as the 10th century where it has been variously identified by names such as Brasil, Brasil, and High Brazil. Archaeological evidence suggests that the anomaly was first colonized by Gaelic settlers at some point during the first millennium BCE, with the island currently populated by approximately 60,000 non-anomalous humans. The anomaly occupies a Category 7 pocket dimension, only transitioning to baseline reality for a 24-hour period between midnight 01 and 2359 GMT, once every four years, on the Gregorian calendar date of February 29th, hereafter referred to as a manifestation event. Between manifestation events, the anomaly is surrounded by a thick mist, and the area occupied by the island is instead immersed underwater. Additionally, travel to and from the anomaly during this state is impossible through non-anomalous means. Any vessel that travels further than 25 kilometers from the island will vanish and rematerialize at an adjacent point on the island's shore. Despite its extra-dimensional status, the anomaly is affected by local meteorological and seasonal patterns. Although the anomaly receives a severely decreased amount of sunlight, native plant and animal life have not been found to experience any adverse effects. SCP-6078-A denotes an anomalous species of flowering plant, colloquially known as blood blossoms, which bloom solely during manifestation events. While highly poisonous to outsiders, Dash A produces a mild euphoric effect when ingested by the island's native inhabitants and is believed to possess certain medicinal properties. The inhabitants of the anomaly speak a previously unknown Godelic language, structurally similar to Old Irish, 
and the island has been politically unified under an absolute monarchy for at least 1400 years, the incumbent ruler being King Finn VII. Despite numerous attempts at Christianization between the 6th and 9th centuries, the inhabitants of the anomaly continued to practice a distinct form of Celtic polytheism to this day. Due to its isolation, the anomaly has experienced little social or technological progression beyond a roughly Iron Age level of development. Since its discovery, however, the Foundation and the Global Occult Coalition have been steadily introducing its inhabitants to modern medicine and the scientific method, and provided limited information regarding the state of the wider world. Local historical records suggest that the anomaly's anomalous properties first manifested at some point in the early 12th century, on a date colloquially known as the Day of the Ravens. This is consistent with the fact that the island has been portrayed on far fewer maps since 1150 CE, and with less accuracy regarding its precise size and location. The inhabitants of the anomaly celebrate the date of each manifestation event as Dermid's Day, a holiday named in honor of a former king. This date is typically marked by the island's inhabitants with music, dancing, feasting, and consumption of dash A. Addendum 1 The following is an account of the life and reign of King Dermot, provided by the Foundation's Department of Mythology and Folkloristics. All details herein are derived from native scholars, as well as local religious and historical texts. Dermot the Ageless The mythical King Dermot is identified as the final king of Brazil prior to the Day of the Ravens. Sources consistently describe Dermot as a fair and just king who was born on a leap day, and as a result, aged only one year for every four, later earning him the moniker of Dermot the Ageless. Dermot is said to have had seven wives, each of whom he married seven years apart. The first of these was Uma, an elderly witch who was born the same day as her future husband, although did not possess his supernatural longevity. Uma concocted a magical potion, causing her to appear young and beautiful in the eyes of others thus earning the king's love. However, on the occasion of their first anniversary, the pair received the gift of an enchanted mirror, which, as fate would have it, reflected the witch's true appearance. Realizing his wife's deception, King Dermot demanded an immediate separation, with Uma subsequently dying from a broken heart, although not before placing a curse upon her former husband, causing any woman he wedded to die within a year of marriage. Dermid's second bride, Ida, described as merry and of high spirits, is recounted to have died from hysterical laughter at the antics of a courtroom jester who, in his shame, retired to become a recluse. His third wife, Tiona, died four months into their marriage, shortly after her brother Devlin fell ill with the dreaded violet fever. Devlin is identified as Tiona's favorite brother, for when she was a child and had fallen into a river while playing, none but Devlin were bold enough to dive in and rescue her. After consoling her grieving parents, Tiona visited her bedridden brother without her family's knowledge and planted a single kiss on his forehead while he slept. While Devlin would subsequently make a miraculous recovery, his sister was dead by morning. The king's fourth wife, Arien, 
is described as having possessed the sweetest voice in all the land, and while singing by a lake one morning, was overheard by a hungry fox. Certain that such an enchanting melody could not possibly pass human lips, the fox, after witnessing the flutter of Ariane's white robes through the bushes, thought itself in the presence of a swan. The fox attacked, tearing deep into the queen's leg and leaving her fatally wounded. The beast, having realized its tragic mistake, then threw itself into the lake out of grief. Dermot's fifth queen was Shinada, the daughter of a poet, who held the shortest reign of all his brides. She is stated to have died on the day of their wedding, falling from her horse after having become distracted by the sight of a beautiful rainbow. Her successor, Aithna, was kidnapped five months into her reign by Granin, a hunchback who had grown infatuated with the young queen and plotted to escape with her to Ireland. When her captor demanded she prepare his dinner, the wily queen took the black rose she wore in her hair and placed it in his broth. After completing his meal, the hunchback noticed a single stray black petal in his bowl and realizing he had been tricked, strangled Aithna before succumbing to the flower's poison. Seizing Granin's cloak and spear, Aithna headed for home on horseback. That night, Dermot, who had sent out his guards in search of Aithna, heard three knocks on the door. The ageless king demanded this visitor identify themselves, heard no response, and peering out the window, saw only an armed stranger clad all in black. Dermot, in his fury, then struck the intruder with his sword, and after removing their hood, found the face of none other than his beloved Aithna, who had been unable to speak after being strangled. The ageless king's seventh and most documented spouse was Queen Kaoma. Try as she and her husband might, they were unable to bear children, and, against her husband's wishes, Kaoma sought the assistance of a local witch. The wizened sorceress offered a solution, inquiring as to whether Kaoma would prefer a son or a daughter. When the young queen voiced her desire for a baby girl, the old witch presented her with a silver seed, which she instructed her to plant in the royal garden on the night of the next full moon before providing it with three drops of milk. The witch promised that if Kaoma consumed just one of the flower's petals, she would become pregnant with a baby girl, although warned her, under no circumstances, to eat more than one of its petals. Weeks later, Queen Kaoma did as advised, and as predicted, a silver flower appeared early the next morning. After eating a single petal, the queen found the flower to be so delicious that she consumed all twelve at once. This lapse in judgment caused dire consequences for Kaoma and her husband, and in the following months her belly grew so large as to leave her bedridden. Shortly thereafter, the queen gave birth to a total of twelve daughters all at once, all of whom were noted for their bright green eyes and hair as a result of their supernatural origin. Kaoma died from exhaustion shortly afterwards. Having lost seven lovers throughout the years, Dermot never married again, and remained fiercely protective of his dozen daughters, refusing to marry them off to any of his kingdom's noblemen. One fateful morning, King Dermot, who was by now over 120 years old, although still physically a man in his twenties, went for his morning hunt, alone as he often did, his supernatural longevity causing him to have outlived his nearest friends. Upon his return, 
Dermot found his palace had been ransacked by a race of barbaric invaders, described as hailing from a mysterious northern land where the sun does not rise, the stars cannot shine, and the moon is too frightened to show her face. This date is remembered in local literature as the Day of the Ravens, as it is said that every raven in the land perched atop Slobmore that day as a stark omen of events to come. With his daughters captured, his finest soldiers dead, and his people hopelessly outnumbered, Dermot set out to a nearby temple, which he found that, like his palace, had been ransacked for its gold and precious jewels. Dermot prayed before the gods, begging them for the strength to defeat his kingdom's invaders. After seeing the king's plight and having witnessed the cruelty of the island's attackers, the gods transferred a small spark of divine energy into the mortal's body. Immediately, Dermot underwent a monstrous transformation, growing five times larger and ten times stronger. His mere glance, capable of inducing fatal seizures in his foes, and his touch, capable of melting the flesh from their bones. Dermot single-handedly slaughtered countless waves of warriors, and with his heightened vision, spied the longship carrying his soon-to-be enslaved daughters. Dermot caused the ship to erupt into flames, killing all warriors on board, though not before turning his twelve daughters into swans, allowing them to fly to safety. While his domain was safe once more, the god's divine spark had taken its toll on the young king's health. The powers of a deity are not meant to reside within a mortal framework, and by the time the last longship had retreated from the island's shore, King Dermot was at death's door. With his last ounce of supernatural strength, the king removed his cloak, which he threw to the skies, encircling his kingdom and permanently sealing it from the rest of the world, thus protecting it from all future threats. As Dermid lay dying, his body so disfigured that even the ravens refused it, the king's vital fluids became blood blossoms. Every leap year, as the blood blossoms bloom, Dermid's twelve daughters, still in the form of swans, lift Brazil's great veil for a single day, allowing the light of the sun, moon, and stars to shine upon his subjects. Addendum 2 on 9 October 1910, during an archaeological dig in the anomaly's northmost province, an anomalous human corpse, since designated SCP-6078-B, was discovered buried in an unmarked grave beneath a small bed of Dash A. While estimated to be in excess of 800 years old, the body showed no signs of decomposition and displayed an estimated temperature of 65 to 70 degrees Celsius. The precise cause of death remains indeterminate, although the body showed signs of fourth-degree burns and multiple cancerous growths were found located on the face, limbs, and torso. Following this discovery, several members of His Majesty's Foundation for the Secure Containment of the Paranormal attempted to remove Dash B for further study. Reportedly, this resulted in the spontaneous manifestation of roughly a dozen swans, which proceeded to attack all personnel present, causing one death and leaving several injured. Following this incident, no further attempts at excavating the remains of Dash B have taken place. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, join my Discord community, hire me on Fiverr, or help support me 
by becoming a patron for as little as $3 a month. Regardless of tier, all patrons get early access to every single episode. The links are in the description. I don't have the talent it takes to write a skip. All I do is read. Original authors make this podcast possible, so credit to the original author. Their link's in the description. Show them some love as well. Consider becoming a member of the SCP Wiki. Upvote their work and maybe write a skip of your own. Maybe I'll read it here someday. You never know if you never try. The content of this podcast and content relating to the SCP Foundation, including the SCP Foundation logo, is licensed under Creative Commons ShareLight 3.0, and all concepts originate from scpwiki.com and its authors. This recording, being derived from this content, is hereby also released under Creative Commons ShareLight 3.0. I'm Gregory Carpin from Simply Creative People, the podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SCP Wiki. And we try to recommend things for all fans of the Wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at anchor.fm slash simply-creative-people. Or follow us on Twitter at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. Hey there, this is DJ Skip, host of Foundation After Midnight Radio, coming to you from the only third shift broadcast for personnel, by personnel. Be sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss out on containment news and community announcements from within the Foundation.